This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Peter Friedman. He's a social media visionary and veteran with over 30 years of experience in the space. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of Live World. He's also the author of the CMO Social Media Handbook, a step-by-step guide for leading marketing teams in the social media world. Peter, are you ready to take us to the top? We're here and delighted to be so. Good. Very good. So get, help me get in your brain real quick. Your average day, more time on Live World or more time on the social media stuff? Oh, gosh. Well, it's kind of the same thing, but really live world. Okay, so tell us. Yeah, when you're the founder manager, you know, you live and breathe it. Yep. So tell tell us about live world. What's for those that are not familiar? What's the business do and how do you make money? Okay, Uh, live world is a social customer experience company that makes a conversation management SaaS platform and provides services to manage customer conversations for large brands and, and social media and messaging. Brands like Walmart and American Express and Pfizer and things like that. And we make money through uh, licensing them the software to use, providing them the online agents to use it, and consulting services, a strategy in their entire approach to social media and messaging. So you're not a, I mean, would you, is your, is your SaaS revenue enough where you consider yourself a, a pure play SaaS, or do you have so much professional services mixed in that it's really more of a 50 50 balance? It's both. I mean, the, the actual revenue numbers vary. And most of our clients buy a package. So, you know, how you break out the software and the services is kind of arbitrary. Okay. But, you know, this- Well, this the margins so- are very different. What's that? I mean, the margin, it's not necessarily arbitrary. I mean, the margins are very different on a, a, a SaaS play versus a high-touch professional services play. Yeah, well, there's actually three uh, different businesses in there. There's the SaaS, which typically is going to have 80, 90% margins. There is the workforce agents, which typically has 70 something percent margins. And then there's consulting services, which typically have, you know, 40 percent something margins. The pace where people get it mixed up is they combine the workforce agents and the consulting and they think, uh, you know, just scales like professional services. When in fact, it scales quite a bit more, especially you have our technology which really helps us scale quite Got a bit. it, got it. So you're able to preserve some margin because you've built tech that helps you execute these more efficiently and faster with less human time. Right, and the technology is designed not to replace humans, but to scale the human touch. So it does all kinds of things that technology can do and then queues up the customer conversations for humans with tools that let them go very fast and efficient but with a human touch. So what is the, to, to avoid kind of going down every customer cohort across all your different lines of business, what would you say the average customer is paying for your SaaS platform? Oh gosh. Um, well, it's, you know, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands for the SaaS part. Per, per, per year or month? Per year. Per year. Okay, got it. So we'll say minimum 10,000 a year. That's, that's a good average. Oh, well, the minimum is really uh, probably 30 to 50,000, but it's so blended in. And we've had some of these clients for over 10 years. 
And so, you know, exactly what they've got and the way they're using it, it varies. If you look at the SaaS platform, which originally when we started the company was all community. Which was, which was what year, by the way? 1996. 96. Very good. Okay. We, were, we are the oldest standing social media company. Everybody else started later, went out of business or stopped. In any case, when we started coming out of Apple Computer, it was community websites and a service we had called Talk City, which was a precursor to Facebook. And we had a SaaS platform. When we switched over to the social web, we took the best part, the tools to manage conversations, extracted it and plugged it into the social web, Facebook and everything. But we didn't make that available as a SaaS platform. You had to get our services. That's why I say a lot of it's bundled in. We released the next generation last year as a pure SaaS platform. And that's going to be anywhere from $30,000 a year to could be a few million dollars a year, depending on what you're doing. And and what that expansion revenue kind of driver, is it number of seats? Is it new feature sets? Is it number of contacts going through your database? Like what drives an ACV from 30,000 up to millions? Seats and pages. Seats and pages. Okay. And help me understand what a page means. A social property, like an individual oh. Facebook page. For example, Walmart has over 4,000 Facebook pages. That's a scale that what we do, nobody else can even do it, but you, know, you can't do it for the same price as one page. And it's kind of a proxy for data throughput. Got it. And how is this different from like a sprinkler or, or a Hootsuite uh, when you're managing different you know, Facebook pages? All right. Well, those guys really at their core are publishing platforms. Their core DNA is for the brand to create content and manage an authoring workflow of one or many people. Now they branched out. So a Hootsuite looks out at the web, Sprinkler has a little bit of everything. We are a purpose-built conversation management platform. It doesn't publish in the sense of go put on content. It doesn't do ad serving. Uh, I mean, it can sweep the social web. But the concept that we have is social media is a human social platform with customers talking to each other and the brand. And if you wanna really manage how they're talking to each other and do something with that, you really want that focus, which has been our DNA for the entire uh, 22 years and back into Apple. Do you touch so anything of what like that. an intercom or a drift does with conversations on websites or you only do the conversations on social? Uh, well, we'll do conversations anywhere, but it predominantly has been on branded properties like the, the brand's Facebook page, anything they want on Twitter, their blog. So it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, G+. Lots of messaging platforms now, e Facebook Messenger, email, web chat, in-app chat. The key thing for us is there's conversations going on. We have some clients who suck in emails with it. Um, so it can do a lot of things like that. It can actually sweep the whole general social web, like social listening products, but we don't really use it for that. If we have a client who really wants to do that, we use uh, something like a brand watch, which has certain types of analytics for general social web. If you're looking for buzz and measuring that, but if you want to manage those social web conversations, where you're really going to engage with them, case manage with them, organize and know what's going on, then you use our platform. Got it. And how many customers do you have using that SaaS platform today? Oh, well, we have about 20 something clients overall, and I would say 15 plus have the SaaS platform. Okay. So you're very much a, a high touch kind of low volume kind of, kind of company. Well, um, our clients are really big. So, you know, we're managing um, million, we're, we're delivering two and a half million or more hours of moderation engagement a year. And, um, you know, million, two million comments 
a month. My point uh, is though, you're working with 20 customers or other SaaS 20 companies. Customers. That, it's not like here's a little low cost thing. Everybody just uses. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't say low cost. I said low, low volume, high touch, high ARPU. Low, high, it's a value focused company working with very large brands, some of whom have very large volume, but it's not like it's uh, hundreds or thousands of customers, low touch. Yep. It's few customers, high touch. Yeah, exactly. So uh, have you raised capital or did you decide to bootstrap the company? Well, we started the company in 1996 on my credit card uh, in my home office, more than the garage. And then we raised a series of funding, funding rounds of up to about $60 million and went public in 1999 for another 60 something million. So about 130 million, including a few million of what's called NBC Peacock money. NBC was an investor. They gave us commercials and that's a whole nother story. And I spent it. But that was as a customer, right? That was non-dilutive capital, right? No, no, no. That was, they got equity for their commercials. Oh, in, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a different time. space. They were the only one we did that with. Uh, but so it was 130 million. So say over 125 million in cash. And we spent it. We spent all of it with $600,000 and the world crashed and, and totally kaboom in 2001. 800 out of 1,000 internet companies went out of business, not us. Most were unprofitable. We basically survived, uh, bootstrapped ourselves back up, did our core DNA of online dialogue and relationships, but pivoted how we did it repeatedly. We did a pipe in 2006 with WPP, the big marketing conglomerate, as a strategic partner. And then the whole world fell down in 2008 again. We haven't raised capital since, and we have a track record of cash flow positive from operations and profit. We built up a bunch of cash. The last few years we've been losing money because we've been investing in the new software platform. And you're still public, you're still, you're still Peter, you're still a public company, correct? Yeah, we went down to the pink sheets, then back up to the OTC, then back down to the pink sheets, but we're public. Yep, yep. And so, so obviously, you know, historical data is public. Give us a sense of revenue. Last year, what'd you guys do? Around 10 million a year. Company runs around 10 million. Yep. And what is the, uh, tell me about the team size to date. It's about 60 people in the court group and a few hundred uh, online agents who are all US based and all employees or virtually all. It's about 260 total. Yep. Yep. And are these, are these folks all based in, and they're in your New York office or are they spread out remote? No, we're a virtual company. I mean, we are truly a virtual company that has complements of physical things, not a physical company that telecommutes. So almost everybody works from home. We have a, a small office in uh, San Jose, California, where the CFO is, and people can go for meetings. We have a, a, an office here in New York that also doubles as a New York apartment. And the sales and marketing team, which is based in New York, comes here. We have a cluster in Austin. But by and large, um, the people are all working out of their homes across the U.S. What is the – so 40-something 40, 40 states. One of the things that confuses me about your business, obviously not, not what you do. I clearly understand that. But from a financial perspective, like if people were to look you up after this interview on Yahoo Finance or something, they'd see your market cap is like $1.8 Why does that make any sense when you're doing $10 million in revenue? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but – uh, the company, even if you looked at it as just a services company, it would typically be valued at two or three times revenue and 20 times earnings. Now, right now we're losing money, but typically it's 10 or 15% profit. How much are you so losing that, you losing annually, just for context? Oh, a million dollars a year, something like that. Uh, we built up a whole bunch and we're doing some strategic investments. So, But we can switch it back to profitable anytime we want. Unlike uh, typical you know, social media startups, they're kind of on the come 
concept. They'll get volume and most of them have to exit by getting sold or something like that. This is a real company. So um, that would be its valuation. I'd make it 10 or 20. Now, the software part of our business, if it was typical and not the history, probably tens and tens of millions. But the irony is, even though we have a proven business model and we survived where nobody else did, in the course of doing that, we kind of went into the backwater and as new phases came, because everybody went out of business and then it all came back in 2005, 2006, then it all went out of business and then came back. So it's that world of venture capital financing and funding and all that, we're just not there because you know we're here and we exist. And the track record of existing gives me extraordinary respect from people who know us across the industry, but it doesn't fit the capital models that drive those valuations. We've proven we are the best at last man standing, delivering value, and enough that our customers will pay us more than it costs us to do it. Yeah, but in all, Peter, in all fairness, someone might be listening to this going, they've put, you know, they've raised 125 million bucks in capital to grow a $10 million a year business. That math doesn't work. No, but we did that and grew a 10 or $15 million business with a $650 million market cap in the early 2000s. Then we restarted and we didn't raise anything. Then we raised about $2 million to grow a $10 million business. So you have to look at it as, yeah, we did equal or better than everybody else and they went out of business and everybody lost their money. In our case, we didn't go out of business and it was a restart with virtually no capital. So we've proven we're last man standing to deliver value. In order for the capital value to have to go up, we also have to show growth. The other people who show growth do it by spending tens of millions of dollars to grow 10 million a year. In other words, their sales and marketing budgets tend to be bigger than their revenue. We can't do that because we have to fund ourselves. So we are slowly, like the tortoise and the hare, doing things that we believe will eventually show significant growth and turn it around. But the, Peter, the- why do you, just like out of curiosity, oh, I mean, a guy like you, you've been through the fire, you've done this. Why, like, you have to do so much work to get like out from underwater. On, I mean, why not just get out, take it, take, sell it to someone, take it private, go out and start something new with everything you've learned? Good question, which I have been asked many times. What's your answer? Uh, because I am a true build a company entrepreneur. And the class of entrepreneurs we have today, and I, I, I don't criticize them for it, most of them are not building real value in real companies. They're making something, flipping it and going. Great. Yeah, great. but Peter, just to be clear, if you did that when you had a $650 million market cap and you flipped the company, you would have created significantly more value than where you're at today and you chose not to. Well, for myself, you mean? For anybody and your shareholders, everybody. Well, the shareholders who sold then made a lot of money. Yeah, but did, did, I mean, I imagine most of them lost money and did not exit at that time. Well, an awful lot made money and an awful lot didn't, but they didn't lose as much as the 800 internet companies that went out of business. Yeah. We're still here. Same question though. Same question though. Well, the question is, we're about building a company in value and we're really committed to it. We have hundreds of employees in the company. We have all our clients who are doing things. We've revolutionized and pioneered much of what has become the industry. And we're determined to make it work on our vision and we keep pivoting, but we've got pretty hot things in the works here that we're doing, some of which are known, some of which aren't, and we think we can get there eventually. 
Many of you know I am buying companies that I really, really like, and there's no quicker way for me to get to the bottom of what is happening on that website than using this tool called NathanLaka.com forward slash hot jar, H-O-T-J-A-R. It basically will give me a recording, okay? When anybody lands on the website, it'll give me a recording of where the viewer is scrolling and obviously does the basic stuff like heat maps too, but I learn so much about where the users are scrolling and clicking on my site using that tool. It helps me increase conversion rates, make more money and grow those businesses faster. And we'll have to see what happens with those businesses, but I'm buying them. I'm buying them very quick and I'm using nathanlaka.com forward slash hot jar for all of my website analytics. You can too. I work with them. It's totally free. You can go to nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar. No credit card required. Again, use it as much as you want. nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar. I'll see you there. You must own, I, I'm sure I, I didn't do enough research, but I'm sure I could look this up on finance and the reports. I mean, you must own such a small portion of the company, though. For every amount of energy you put in, your upside is so limited relative to if you quit this, start a new company from scratch, own 100% of it. That's a good point. I actually own uh, about 10% straight equity now and maybe uh, 17% with uh, options. Okay, that's, that's actually fairly, more than what I would have thought. Well, it went down, but when we you know, restructured repeatedly, I got options. I, I funded the company at several points by exercising options and putting money in. And, Are you, you know, married? Not anymore. I was going to say, did your wife divorce you when you did not sell when your market cap was $650 million? Well, I was worth $45 million pre-divorce that day. Yeah, that was on paper, right? And, yeah. And when we got around to getting divorced, I, I kind of tried to point out, you know, you should have just taken the money just – don't argue with me. Take the stock. You sell it. I won't have to pay you. You'll be thrilled that I can go build my little company with no aggravation. She didn't think to do that. That's so, so funny. She, she stalled and delayed and all that. Um, the company was worth $650 million on December 31st, 1999 at 1 p.m. West Coast time, $29.50 a share. Why do I remember that? And then, of course, everything crashed a few months Because that's, that is when you were the richest you were in your life on paper. Financially. Financially. But, you know, it's not just about the money. Look, our goal is to make money for everybody. And we've done it for our clients and some of our shareholders. Having a blast, revolutionizing elements of the world with our vision of the transformative power of online dialogue and relationships. We've created extraordinary value. For many people, um, and we've saved lives in social media. Peter, we've if someone if someone came to you, like that. just because we're running short on time, sorry. If somebody came to you, your market cap right now is like one point eight. If somebody came to you and offered you like four million dollars for the business, how did, would you have? I mean, would, when you take that to your shareholders or your board or whatever, would you have to really look hard at that because it's bigger than your market cap? Like, how do you rel- how do you measure that? Okay, so um, we we look at it. We look at the value we think we could create. We look at the value for for customers, employees, and shareholders. It's not just shareholders. Shareholders are very important. After all, I'm one of the two largest ones here, and I put more into it than anybody, okay, in in, in a lot of different ways, including cash. Not more cash than anybody, but I put cash in. Um, So you have to look at all those things and say, what could you do? Millions of dollars, we wouldn't even bother looking because we know the intrinsic value of the company and where we believe we can get it is much, much higher than that. Now, if somebody came along with a certain number and it was all cash, yeah, we go, well, that's a fast discussion. But there's an in-between number where you got to go, hmm, we know and believe that over the next several years, we can build out the value of the company to a certain level. 
Why doesn't the, why doesn't the market car, see that though? Time value and risk element. Why doesn't the market see that? Why is it valuing you at? I mean, I've never seen this before. Why is it valuing you at literally twenty percent of what your total annual revenue is? Nobody, they don't have the, mar, the market is showing through the numbers. They don't have confidence in this future vision. Well, I'll, I'll make that even worse. We typically yeah. have two and a half to four million in cash. Yeah. So why? I don't understand. At a fraction of our cash. So why? Because they don't know we're here. And because the stock market is not the efficiency thing that people say, unless you want to say, well, they don't know you're here. And essentially, most most uh, Internet tech companies, most, they even first off, most are valued on a private thing that's a function of investors driving up from round to round independent of the value of the business. That's just true. Now, they go public and a lot of things like that is still often based on kind of hype and where it's going. We fell out of that world in 2001 when we survived, nobody did. And there've been points, like when our revenue jumped 70% one year, the stock went from five cents to 70 cents for a while, stabilized out at 40. But when we didn't see the growth again, and then we started losing money, even though it's on purpose, um, it fell back down to the sort of five cent range. So there's no float, it's very inside hell. A guy like me, though, looks at you and the company and the cash you have on hand and the revenue you're doing. And I go, you know what I want to do? I want to go team with a private equity firm. I want to take this company private for call it. I'm going to make an offer like, you know, 10, 15 million or something. Now, there will be a battle to actually get it done. If I can't do that, I'll just go buy shares of the company and create some kind of proxy war. Right. And then make you CEO. Well, you already are. But have you stay CEO, give you more equity than what you currently own. Right. And let you grow the company privately. Why has nobody done that? Okay. well, the trick on that is because the float's so small. If somebody really tried to do that, the stock price would shoot way up, at least to 70 cents and maybe over a dollar. And then you would have it, it would be more like $30 million or something like that. Now, I think if somebody really understood the value of it, that would be a smart thing to do. But they don't really understand the value of why, it. So why don't you go find someone to do that? That's my point. Why don't you partner with someone to do that? Or you can't do that because of insider trading issues and all that. Well, we're looking at a lot of different models and ways you do things and what you can do. And we have ideas and plans on what we can do to um, take the intrinsic value of the company, that we create a lot of value in software and services, get it more recognized and create growth. Uh, if we can get a capital to help it along, we will. If we can't, it'll just take longer. But yeah. we believe we can do it. I mean, I'm looking at you like an object, so you have to forgive me, but when I see 10 million of cash flow and 2 million in the bank, if I think I can buy that for 15 or 20, maybe 25 million, I'm gonna take that deal all day long if I really believe it. Yeah, well, I think the here's the other funny thing about that, because we looked into that kind of thing. When you're in the market and you're staring there, because there's that public pink sheet's value, it's difficult. Maybe not for, you know, I've looked at your background, the kind of person you are. but for What kind that, of person am I, Peter? What's that? What kind of person am I? Uh, we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, for somebody in a private equity firm or corporation, and even worse for venture capital, You've got to remember that they're not just making the valuation on the, on the premise that you described. They're thinking about how the PowerPoint's going to look, what are they going to look like. And while most people think these guys invest with the primary goal is to show a big win, the primary goal is not to look stupid. And I could go into a lot of reasons. That's why they all liked another lead, things like that. So here, to go do that against something that's trading for five cents at a million and a half it's, it's kind of like risky. Let me translate that. They have big egos. The downside of looking stupid on this deal is too big. That's why no one pulls the trigger. A guy like me that is young and can do anything and is beholden to nobody could go do a deal like this, handle the dumb, you know, down of me looking dumb on the downside and potentially make a lot of money. That's what you're saying. 
And you just answered your question about who It's you a are. compliment, Peter. I'll take it. All right. Let's wrap up with the famous five. One word answers here. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, pour Your Heart to Every Cup, the Howard Schultz book, first book. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? I'm looking at myself a lot. I'm out how <laughs> I'll say none. I, that- I like Howard also. Howard's a good friend of mine. They invested in our company a number of years ago. Are they a client? What's going on there. They're a client, Starbucks? Uh, they're not a client right now, but they're a shareholder. Got it. Number three, what's your favorite online tool? Uh, for consumer, oh, like a consumer one. Oh, like I'm one- on Instagram because I'm a fine art photographer. No, no, no. The, the one you use every day, like to help grow your business, a business tool. Oh, um, well, it's our tool. Besides your own. Oh, besides my own? Gosh, that's um, that's really hard to say. Okay, well, uh-huh. we'll, we'll say none there. Number four, uh, how many hours oh, of sleep? No, 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 I'll answer. I use Hootsuite for publishing. Okay, Hootsuite, very good. Uh, number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Four to eight. Four to eight, okay. And uh, what's your situation? Well, you said you're divorced. Are you remarried? And how many kids do you have? I have two uh, wonderful children, all grown up, a, a year and a half old granddaughter, and my golden retriever. Very good. And so you're single right now, right? Oh, yeah. Ladies, there he is. Go get him. How, how old are you, Peter? Uh, old enough to know better. Come on. How old are you? No, we're not doing that. All right. Well, I'm, well I'll just say 50. Take us back. Last question here. Take us back 30 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? The same thing my, my father who passed away a few years ago at 94 would say and when he ran when he was 90, not to get as stressed over things um, as much as I did. There you guys have it. Don't get stressed over things so much now. In all fairness, Peter had the right to be stressed. He went through glory days and then hell and then glory days up and down. $650 million market, you know, market cap all the way back down to where he is now. But look, healthy company, couple million in the bank, 10 million bucks in, in annual recurring revenue, uh, playing in the conversational marketing space with his company Live World, founded back in 1996. Peter, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks so much. This is a lot of fun.